Hello, welcome to the Prep Me podcast. My name is Tora Kachur. We are going to talk about specifically Canadian medical schools on this podcast. And joining me today is my trusty co-anchor, co-host, Chansey uh, Vino. Um, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, got you again, Vino. Vino, it's I, you know It's going to be a running joke. It's going to be a running joke. <laughs> how, how long have we known each other and I still can't pronounce your last name? Because you're just Chansey. Is it worse on me though of not being the person who comes up and says, actually, it's this? It's kind of like if I was in a med school interview now and the panelists said my last name, Vinot, Vaino, I'd probably be like, you're right, you're you know. the boss, just give me a seat, please. Uh, I'll call me whatever you want. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think you and I have this same idea that, you know, our names are so unique, our first names, that the last names I really never need. No. I'm just Torah. Like, I don't need a last name, do I? How many Torahs do you know? You're the only Chancy. Have you ever met another Chancy? Not a single one in my life. Maybe a couple of Chaunceys, but not a Chancey. Oh, yeah. Like Chaucer. Um, or to be super pretentious. Uh, all right. So what are we talking about today on the podcast? We are talking about choosing the right medical school. And so um, the Prep Me podcast is, in fact, the only tailored uh, podcast for pre-med students for Canadian medical schools. And so one of the things we wanted to talk about today is what school should you choose? And it seems weird, I think, Chancy, to talk about this because don't so many pre-med students just go, uh, whatever school takes me? A hundred percent. Because when you're that lost and it's your first application cycle, you're just saying, I'll put all the eggs in all the baskets and hopefully one of them sets. But in reality, you kind of want to be choosy too, because you're ultimately going to spend four years of your life at that institution, maybe longer if you stay for residency. You should have some say in where you go and what's the best fit for you. But it's easy to let that go to the wayside when all you're thinking about is, I just want to get in. How much do the medical schools differ? If we talk about, let's talk about the big four. I think we should talk about the big four and then kind of separate them. But like the U of T, McGill, UBC, and I'm going to put my alma mater in there, U of A, because oh. I think it belongs in that. Oh, really? I'm representing. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, but no, U of A is normally kind of that lagging fourth. So let's say, well, fine. We'll label it the big three. McGill, U of T, UBC. Don't we all want to go there? Yeah, isn't that the question, right? We've got this picture painted prestige of these universities that they're going to give us the best education and that if we go there, it's going to make us a better doctor, we're going to have a better experience, our money's more well spent. I think there's a lot of different stigma that goes to what med schools you hear about and who went where and why they went there. And in reality, when you dissect it, maybe you know the big three aren't necessarily the best three for you as an applicant but you still want to know and get to a vibe of, like you say, the personalities of some of these medical schools. So yeah. What's your take on the big three before I keep rambling? Well, okay. So I'm on the outside looking in, right? Yeah. Because I am not a medical doctor for the audience. I'm a professor and an instructor. Um, and so I look at, for instance, maybe I'll slide on U of T a little bit. I mean, it is a, an amazing medical school and you get an incredible training. Um, but in my experience um, of many years being around campus and stuff like that, it's a miserable place to be. People are, students are angry. They're angry. They're grumpy at U, at U of T, but it provides world-class medical education. And so I feel like U of T generally is, is recruiting the very much that book smart, um, you know, a classic traditional, much more traditional medical student than maybe some of the more avant-garde schools, we call them McMaster, U of C, that are looking much, much more for the personal side of life. Is that fair? I think 100%. And that's, you know, not being someone who's lived 
in the big three realm. I'm an East Coaster. I'm a Dalhousie grad. No Dalhousie sweater, unlike the Alberta you're wearing across the <laughs> screen. But, uh, you know, I, I come from that same background. They're more, I think, maybe a bit more holistic in who they take in, wanting well-rounded individuals that come from a variety of backgrounds who will learn sort of the study habits, who will learn the medicine as they go. And it might be a bumpy road for some versus when you think of the U of T and UBCs, they're certainly thinking, you know, we've got lots of numbers in a seat uh, for enrollment, but we want to have a student who's going to come in ready to roll, ready for a regimented approach, is going to be here, there, everywhere, and, you know, hang on, because it's it's a really fast-paced ride to that extent. Should every pre-med student have their goal of going to one of the big three slash four? I think every pre-med student should have a goal of applying to some of them because you should apply to as many as you can. But I don't know, and my personal take is I don't know if you need to be fixated on it has to be U of T or bust. Um, you know, I won't go if it's not U of T or I'll choose U of T over Dal or U of A, even though I've never been to all of them. I just know U of T is the best because it's what I've heard. You have to you have to do your due diligence. You've got to you got to talk to people. You have to experience, you need to go, you need to ask questions. And maybe U of T is the right school for you based on how you like to study. When you see the curriculum, it's a good fit for how you see the next four years of your life, but maybe it's not. And that's okay too. And, and I think that that's maybe what we want to get out of this conversation is that to empower the audience to say, look, you can all, it's not just waiting for them to pick you. There's also a little bit of you picking them. I mean, let's, mm -hmm. let's face it. There's going to be a lot of people that are listening because they're doing their due diligence. They're doing the background work in thinking about medical school long before it kind of a knee jerk reaction, the deadline approaches. And so sometimes the choice actually is in the student's corner. So, but Chancey, I want to ask you, you got into Dell, where mm -hmm. else did you apply? Or was that your one and only, like you want to stay home? Oh gosh, if it was the one and only, that would be very, very bad gambling on my part um, in this medical application race. I, I think I applied to nine or 10 schools in the end. So nine or 10 schools um, doing the interview at, um, I think three in the end, just based on, again, logistics, getting here and there and everywhere, U of T being one of them, um, Dow and then Memorial for me. Um, there was other offers, but I just, I couldn't go. So I think I've got I think I got four offers actually out of the nine. So roughly 50%. And that was expected just based on that. It was actually the four schools I thought I had the best chance of getting an interview at. Of course, those are the ones I got the interview at um, because I did my research going sort of into it. How did you do your research? How did you figure out what schools suited you or what schools you wanted to apply to? You know what? I was probably the annoying... Um, I was probably the annoying student always emailing the admissions groups at all these different schools, reading forums, um, and even just attending, you know, you know, for Prep 101, like seminars like that, where you get an insider's view as to, you know, here's some background information on schools, what they want, uh, the MCAT, what they think of, you know, for extracurriculars are important, like getting that as my structure. And then I honestly made an Excel sheet where I broke down all the schools what I was going to be scored on as an applicant, what did I have, what was I missing? And then I would often just email, like I said, the admissions clerks that are, you know, part of the undergraduate department at these schools to verify any questions that were still unanswered after all these precursor research tools that I employed. And they were always really great. The thing is, you don't want to be a last minute, you know, uh, writer, but if you've got months and months prior to an application cycle beginning, they're always going to ask or answer any questions that you ask of them in an email or on the phone. So I would write up all the responses. I had a running Word document of all the conversations I had, an Excel sheet of sort of the tick boxes as to, again, 
here are my prioritized schools of where I have the best shot of getting in, what made them higher. And again, often it was based on the application. It was based on my life to date, what my CV looked like compared to somebody else. You know, on a CV, I probably wasn't the ideal candidate for U of T um, in the end, as much as I was a rural med school, and whether it be Memorial, Dow, uh, Nossum, um, or even going out in Alberta, um, I was probably a better applicant for those. But I had some research as well, which bought me up a little bit more in the U of T. So the Excel sheet sort of saved my, saved my bacon, as they say. You want to sh- uh, you want to share that Excel sheet, like the formula just, that you just used? Set, just set it out. Oh, it's a little, it's a few years dated now. But yeah, that's I mean, true. You know what it is though? I'd still recommend it to anyone. Like I kind of think about you. Like you, you teach Tor, we teach, and you must have students that ask you questions outside of the MCAT. Do you like all the time? What do you like? What do you think about when students ask, like, where should I apply? Do you ever get that? What's your take? How do you approach those questions as somebody who hasn't gone through the application cycle but is well versed in you know, prep one wine and being a mentor to this sort of subject. One of the things that I tell my students is that number one, um, the geographic preferences are going to matter. So your number one school should always be in the province with your a, a resident, which is ultimately kind of where you paid taxes in the last year, right? That's kind of the, mm-hmm. the general rule for that. Um, every school does have slightly different residency requirements. Um, but there's usually, and speaking to your point of don't just necessarily always bombard the uh, admissions officer, but do your own research first, like you did, right? There's the FAQ pages, there's the, the uh, forums and all those kinds of things that go along with that. But, you know, schools other than Ontario, all schools have somewhat geographic preferences to them. And, um, you know, out in Alberta, my students in Edmonton, I'd go, okay, well, you're looking at U of A or U of C. And, uh, look broadly, apply and, and make yourself a candidate at as many schools as possible and get the highest GPA and highest MCAT scores and best experiences, right? But when you're sitting there and saying, especially when we talk about UFC, and we might deal with that separately in a bit, because UFC and McMaster kind of have different philosophies when it comes to their admissions program. And I think that they're, they're really worth highlighting. We sort of talked of U of T already looking for the very classical pre-med student, the very book smart, um, and the sort of ticks all the boxes. And uh, U of C doesn't necessarily. So I usually get questions from students who aren't those, what we call the traditional applicants. Um, and, uh, and so let's say, where do I fit? And I think that the biggest thing is there's a school for everyone. Do your own research, which, uh, you know, Prep 101 does a lot of that for you. There's, a, there's files online that you can get that show you all kinds of breakdowns of, of material. Um, but ultimately, I say kind of there's a school for you. And, and that's the biggest thing that they want to hear, right? As, 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 as the audience wants to hear, there's a school for you. Um, and not all schools are going to be for you. You don't, if they don't want you, they also maybe sometimes don't want them, right? No, so, 100%, 100%. So there's this, there's a fit um, and it takes a little bit of, of research, but keep those homeschools in mind. Again, Ontario, we treat completely differently. Ontario opens the door to all applicants um, and has a much um, I just, there's no geographic preferences, but also much easier application process. Cause that's one of the things, the other thing about, you know, where to apply, you reply to, I think a lot of schools. I don't know. What do you think the average is? I would say apply to four or five, you're going nine or 10. It just seems to me like a lot of work. <laughs> you know what, in a way it is, especially when you start thinking about like, I'm going to span the whole country. I'm going East to West because you've got the benefit as an applicant applying to schools in Ontario because you've got a system like OMSAS where you can make one account, you can literally select what schools you want your application to be sent to. You may add an A and B supplemental depending on the school you're replying to if they have something more specific than the generic standard application. 
But in the end, you're hitting one submit button and it's going to all those schools. So you save a bit of time, but not the case on the East Coast, not the case in sort of, you know, more central Canada and going out West. It's all individual applications. So it is a ton of work. And, and to your point about ge geography, of course, on my mind, that was huge. It's like the best, the schools I have the best chance of getting into were the maritime schools because I have a natural maritime connection because I was physically born here and I spent most of my life here. I worked here. I went to school here. Um, but it's also that I say sometimes like hidden agenda, but maybe not so hidden is that these schools, the reason they do that is they want to, they want retention. They want the physicians they train to stay. That's the goal, right? It's that community retention. That is that, um, sort of patron-based work and service, they want to stay in the province. So if they've got a really good selling feature on an application or an interview that you're someone that not only do they like, not only someone who meets all their cutoffs and academic achievements and objective, objectives, um, but you may stay because you've got family here or you want to open up a practice in your hometown. That actually, you don't think about it, but there's hidden sometimes points awarded to that on an application. Well, it's also about following the money, right? Medical school education is subsidized. Yes, it's expensive. Um, but it's subsidized by the provincial government and we have a provincial healthcare system. So they're just keeping their trainees intact, right? And keeping them mm -hmm. at home. So, so geographic preferences, number one, but also uh, many, many schools do, like, you can be a totally almost different candidate depending on their GPA corrections. Like University of Ottawa does none. They do no GPA corrections. It's what you get on the bottom of your transcript. That's what you, uh, that's what, how your, uh, your, your GPA looks. Whereas lots of schools don't take summer classes. I want to say U of A doesn't take summer classes, although I should double check that. Um, and there's, there's lots of schools that uh, drop your worst year. That's probably the most common, as long as it's not your, your most recent. And so yeah. you might find these, and you said that's on the Excel spreadsheet. So um, where did you get all that information of all the GPA corrections? Did you generate it yourself in part yeah and it was through like really two modes of searching one was utilizing like admissions websites there's lots of great information whether it's the FAQs or just the standard let me go through all the tabs of admissions it will walk you through the application per school um the other thing was those emails back and forth just to clarify you know okay u of t you mentioned in my first year of undergrad you'll consider dropping two of my lowest courses for the full year that's of 10 courses that's that's great that, you know, I, I didn't have a great first year of university. Who so had a great first my, year? I, not this guy. Um, <laughs> definitely not this guy. So the, the whole thought that, oh my gosh, they would get rid of like a course that I really struggled with. That wasn't a prereq. That was incredible. And it really would bump up what my first, you know, year GPA would be. And like you said, it's different from school to school, but to find it out, you're getting it from the webpage, you're getting it from direct contact with the school, which I honestly think is the most trustworthy written in paper way to do it so that you don't burn yourself and you apply to a school that, oh, they see you don't meet a cutoff or you misinterpreted how to actually formulate your GPA. And then they close the file before it's even been looked at in terms of extracurriculars and your MCAT and all the things you work so hard on. They just, they close it. And to your point of some schools are for you and some schools aren't, me as an applicant, you know, Dow, Mun, Nossum, maybe even Calgary, McMaster would open and be like, oh, here's, I would think an interesting individual. I'll call myself interesting. That could be good or bad, but interesting. Well, you got um, in, so you're interesting. Okay. I'm interesting enough. And they might say, oh, he's worth reading about and maybe an interview. And then a school like, you know, U of T or Western being like, nope, not academically strong enough, did not do enough academic sort of uh, extracurriculars in that four-year time span the folder and just is, yeah western western's renowned to be just ruthless with its gpa right? it is tough yeah they're they're very much focused on their academics 100 
So that's the thing. So there, where, you know, Western, you might be a student who doesn't have tons of volunteer experience or things that maybe make you a broader candidate, but Western might be looking for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And they want more of the GPA. Whereas, and I want to talk a little bit about UFC here because, and McMaster to a certain extent, because they're really kind of changing the game for a lot of our non-traditional applicants. And Chancey, I think you and I should do a podcast about non-traditional applicants because I think it's important. Yeah. Um, but UFC and McMaster are focused much more on who is walking in the door, not what GPA is walking in the door. Ultimately, you need a GPA. It's still a high GPA. They get a lot. And I want to maybe um, get rid of this myth right now because a lot of people think, oh, U of C is a place where I'll, I'll go because I have other life experiences, but my GPA isn't high. The GPA competitive GPA is actually higher than U of A. They get tons more applicants, um, but U of C is looking for a different applicant. They are looking for much more of a non-traditional applicant. They're not looking for the 22-year-old who finished with a 4.0. You'll, you'll get in anywhere. <laughs> That's basically what U of C is saying, right? Um, but U of C is saying, look, we want people, the average age is closer to 27 on emissions average. Um, they're looking at someone who maybe the GPA is, is high, but more importantly, the CARS score is high, overweighted in CARS. Um, and they're looking for people that have other experience. I know a paramedic that got in, a nurse that got in, someone who had been practicing as an engineer got in when she was 32, um, is now a family medicine doctor. You know, they're, so they're, they're looking for, I guess, a little bit more, I sort of jokingly refer to these, they're looking more for more humans than maybe the Western U of T, UBC might be looking for. And, and I would throw McGill in, under that bus as well. Um, but again, those schools might be right for you for lots of other reasons in that you are a good candidate. So I think that the, the key thing here is, is recognizing that, first of all, all this information is available. What school is right for you is available. There's a school that is right for you. Um, and doesn't mean, and okay, here's the thing about applications is that they are expensive. Like how much would you expect an application year to cost? For a given school, easily between, you know, a hundred to $250, like depending on where you are for, per school. And if you're doing OMSAS, even though it's one portal, you don't get to pay just one fee. You're, you're going to be added up depending on the, num the number of schools you ultimately apply to. So if it's U of T, it's McMaster and it's Western, that's three fees. They're going to be totaled for or your, you know, the total check at the end. And of it's the kind day. of like 300 bucks and then 125 for each school, something Could in there. Do, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you could easily rack up for me a thousand dollars or more just applying to medical schools. Um, if you go on the higher end of things, right. It's wild. How many would you recommend people apply to as many, just every, just across the board? I think again, as the, this label of traditional applicant, somebody who's coming out of undergrad, is super keen, is super organized, has been academically strong. MCAT went very well, has the extracurriculars, is ready to go. I think you could probably get a buy with comfortably anywhere between four and six, and that would be totally normal. Depending on how type A you are, you might say, that's not enough for me. I'm going to do 12 because I really need to get in this year. Um, and that's okay if you're willing to put in the work that goes into that because it's not only financially a lot of work, it's a lot of time spent just to prepare those applications, tailor your essay to specific questions that are being asked at the schools, all these specifics that we'll you know address in future podcasts and in our seminars. But you just want to essentially get yourself organized. And if you've got the time, you'll apply to as many as you want. But how much do you need? I don't know if I can say this is the magic formula, but four to six, if you're comfortable, you've met all the cutoffs and that you're a pretty typical silhouette of the candidate they normally would accept. I think you've got a good shot. And I think that maybe, I mean, maybe on a parting note, um, I don't think 
we should label schools as, oh, well, if I don't get in here, then I guess I'll go here because, you know, as much as there's top tier schools and then there's all the others, there's this big three slash four, and then there's the rest, all the schools in Canada are incredible. Okay. There's no, there's no, there's a sort of one and a half tiers there's the tier one and then there's the just a half step down and so there's no consolation kind of of school to go to in canada that's not true of the states right uh, states no, are certainly no. subpar medical schools but yeah. not here and i think that any medical school is going to be great and you're, if you're going to thrive at one school you'll thrive anywhere yeah and our country i mean it does a really great job through our different councils in the medical body to appraise and accredit all the schools that exist in Canada. So they all need to be held to the same standard of curriculum um, revision with the times. They have to have a good balance of not only providing book-based education, tutorial education, but also practical clerkship. They're constantly being appraised for this. And when they don't meet a certain standard, they're put on probation. So our country takes it very seriously to keep these schools on an equal playing field with one another. Meaning, like you said, U of T, which you know has this this background nomenclature and story sort of not folklore but you know background story of being the best and if i go here i'm going to do the best honestly you could go to memorial you could go to bc you could go to nazim and you could be 10, 10 times a better doctor in whatever skill you're thinking of in terms of your education and how you apply yourself because all the schools are on equal equal foundation well, i'll tell you the story i was uh, my grandfather actually was a graduated from u of t medical school Okay. Well, I don't know when that didn't was. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. And he came out to Alberta um, and he was offered a position at the, as the chair of cardiac cardiothoracic surgery here at U of A. And people, all his colleagues at U of T like laughed at him. They're like, what are you doing? Like going to the boonies? You know, why don't you stay here? It's the best medical school. And it, and it is, and it is, it is one of the best in the world and, and will continue to be. And, and he really was, he was a renegade rebel by heart, but, uh, but yeah, he, then he moved his family out to, to Alberta to do this tiny little school and built, you know, one of the world's class centers for cardiac surgery here. And so I don't, the, the, the U of T is a fantastic school and I'll never counsel anyone to not go, but any school you get into is going to be incredible. And, uh, and I think, and you have, you have to earn all your entry to all the schools and it's just a matter of, and I guess that's the whole point of this today. Maybe we're long-winded on this podcast today, but the idea is, is that there's a school that's right for you and all schools are good schools and get that acceptance letter and don't sit there and say, mm, that's my second choice. Cause that second choice is incredible. No, it's 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, and have an open mind. If you get into a school, that's the ultimate goal, and you'll make it whatever it is. The experience will be whatever you put into it, and you're going to have a fantastic time and get a great education and move through the stepping stones of your medical career, regardless of what the school is on your degree that's on my wall ahead of me now. Um, we'll all have different ones, and they'll all be just as um, rewarding. I don't know where my parchment is. Um, but <laughs> I didn't hang it. Um, no, but I, okay. But I will say, if you want to know more information, um, our sponsor, our kind sponsor, Prep 101, uh, sponsors the Prep Me podcast, and we host um, getting into medical school seminars. So go to the Prep 101 slash um, MCAT website, and there's lots of information there you can get about individual schools. And again, that's Prep 101, P R E P 101.com slash MCAT. And there you'll find all kinds of things, including links to all of the episodes of the Prep Me podcast. So thank you from Chansey and I today, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>